You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, volunteer for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, a chapter of the American Lighthouse Foundation. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. Today is March 6th, 2022, and this is episode 163 of Lighthearted. I should mention that we're actually recording this on February 26th. It's a Saturday night. Uh, I'm in New Hampshire here, 11 o'clock, and it's, uh, what, 9 o'clock where you are in Arizona, Cindy? That's right, 9 in Tucson here, yes. And I think I'm speaking for most people in the world when I say my heart is with the people of Ukraine tonight. Absolutely. Our interview today is about Point Barks Lighthouse in Michigan, one of the oldest lighthouses on the Great Lakes. But first, has anything interesting happened on this date in lighthouse history, Cindy? Yes, as a matter of fact. Early in the American Revolution, the New York legislature felt it was important to keep Sandy Hook Lighthouse from falling into enemy hands. In a letter dated March 6, 1776, Major William Malcolm received orders to render the lighthouse useless. He removed the lamps and oil from the lighthouse, but three months later, the British had it back in operation. American troops tried to destroy it with cannon fire, but the stone walls were too strong and the tower remained standing. Sandy Hook Lighthouse was built in 1764, and it still stands today, making it the oldest lighthouse tower in the United States. Yeah, and uh, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, Boston Light is America's oldest light station. It began service in 1716, but the first tower there was destroyed by the British in the Revolution, and it was rebuilt a few years later. So Boston Light is our oldest light station, but Sandy Hook is our oldest standing lighthouse tower. So, Cindy, please help me tell our listeners about today's interview. Sure, Jeremy. Point Awe Barks on Lake Huron, at the northeastern tip of the part of Michigan known as the Thumb, takes its name from a French phrase meaning Point of Little Boats. A dangerous reef extending almost two miles from the point was a hazard to shipping traffic heading north along the Lake Huron shore. The first lighthouse on the point was constructed of stone in 1848. The light station was established on a three-acre site carved out of dense wilderness. In addition to warning mariners of the reef at Point of Barks, the light served to guide shipping into Saginaw Bay and the Saginaw River. The original keeper's house was destroyed by fire in 1849. The first tower was poorly built and had to be replaced in 1857. The new keeper's house and attached 89-foot tower were built of the finest brick available. The light remains an active aid to navigation, making Point Barks one of the oldest continuously operating lights on the Great Lakes. The light was automated in 1934, and the last keeper left five years later. The light station property was transferred to Huron County in 2003. A nonprofit group, the Pointe Barks Lighthouse Society, was formed. The keeper's house and lighthouse tower were restored in the years that followed. The keeper's dwelling is now home to a museum. The museum is open seasonally, and the tower is open for climbing on special occasions. In 2017, two life-saving station buildings were moved to the site. The buildings were originally constructed along the shore about 1,000 feet from their current location. Larry Becker is the past president of the Pointe Barks Lighthouse Society. His wife, Marilyn, is a longtime volunteer and membership chair for the society. I had the pleasure of speaking with Marilyn and Larry a few weeks ago. Let's listen to that conversation now. 
I'm speaking today with Larry and Marilyn Becker of the Point of Bark Lighthouse Society in Michigan. I hope I pronounced that right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Larry and Marilyn. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. So, uh, of course, I want to get into a little bit about the history of the lighthouse and about your preservation efforts and what there is for visitors there today. But I just want to start with a little bit about yourselves, if I could. How and when did you get involved with the Point of Bark uh, Lighthouse Society? In uh, 2005, we went up. There's a beautiful campground right next to the lighthouse. It's in the same park. In the mm-hmm. same park. And uh, we were camping and they happened to be having their festival. So we went over and got involved and talked to people. And I found out that they were doing a lot of painting in the lighthouse. And I suggested that if they needed help, I was a professional painter. I was a commercial painter at the time that I would be willing to volunteer. And well, the next thing you know, they had me running a crew of about 30 people that were from a uh, Comcast group that were volunteering. So make a difference day. Make it, you know, make a difference day. We got done with the work and it turned out really, really nice. And the next thing I know, they were asking me to be on the board of directors. So for 17 years now, we've, uh, I've been on the board, one capacity or another, been volunteering ever since. The last five years, I've, I've taken over the membership, mm-hmm. as well as working in the gift shop, helping with the ordering and inventory and working the register on a regular basis. We'll talk more about the organization in a few minutes, but while I'm thinking of it, I just wanted to ask you, is the uh, Point of Bark uh, Lighthouse Society an all-volunteer organization? Yes, it is. I thought so. We'll, we'll get more into that shortly, but let's talk for a while about the history of uh, Point of Bark. First, why was a lighthouse needed there in the first place? Because it's the turning point into Saginaw Bay, the tip of the thumb. It was placed where it is today because about two miles out, there's a rock reef. And a lot of the early sailors were coming up and taking that turn too early and busting up on that rock reef. So they needed to put a warning light there for ships to stay out. It never was intended to bring the ships in. It was a warning light. It would tell the captains to stay out. And then further up the lake, there was another light eventually placed there at the very tip of the thumb. In Port Austin. So 1848, am I remembering that right? When the light was first established? Yes. And which makes it one of the oldest light stations on uh, on the Great Lakes, right? Yes. Yes. It's yeah. one of the 10 oldest. Um, the first light was only up for about 10 years before they realized they had to build a new one because they only used materials on the first one that were found in the area. And mm-hmm. it was put together poorly. And they constructed the new one with Milwaukee cream brick, which was mm-hmm. the finest brick at the time. 162 years later, it's still standing. In the early days for lighthouse keepers and families living there, would you say it was a really isolated place in the early days? Oh, yes. Very Uh, much so. There weren't any other towns or establishments of any kind in the area when they built the first light. Mm -hmm. Um, Our first keepers came up and they just carved out about 
four or five acres of woods and built the lighthouse and built the keeper's house. And the keeper and his wife came up with eight kids. Mm-hmm. And before they left, before the builders left, Catherine asked them to build a fence around the house so that the wild animals wouldn't take the kids away. So oh, wow. <laughs> it was it was isolated. There were no roads to it. You could only get there by boat. What wild animals are we talking about? Bears, wolves? Probably both. Yep. At the time. At the time. How about now? We don't see any bears in the area anymore, but we're we're getting uh, coyotes and wolves back. Yeah. Fox and and deer in the park. A lot of deer. Yeah. A lot of deer. We got all those here in the Northeast, except for the wolves. We've got plenty of coyotes now. Yeah. And uh, I think you just referred to her a minute ago, but uh, I understand Pointe Bark had the first woman lighthouse keeper in Michigan. Can you tell me a bit about her? Her husband, Peter, left Pointe Barks to go to Port Huron to pick up supplies. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they got into bad weather and the ship that he was on went down and all hands were lost. By the time the life-saving service got back to the lighthouse. They found Catherine and the older kids uh, maintaining and taking care of the lighthouse very well. I don't think we've said her last name yet. Her last name was Catherine Shook. Peter and Catherine Shook. Yeah. Peter was the first keeper. So then Catherine Shook took over. They offered her the position and she took it. And um, she ran the lighthouse for another full season. And then the following season, she uh, had to back down from it because of her health. And she moved back here to New Baltimore, where we live today. And about five years later, she passed away from from her illnesses. And she's buried right here in New Baltimore. In the the history of uh, families living at that light station, anything else that jumps to mind? Anything that stands out for you in that history? Well, there was there were quite a few um, interesting keepers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one hit the the last keeper. He stayed there for thirty five years, which is a very long term for a lighthouse keeper. Yeah, um, we had one that jumps out that is kind of a character. Character, <laughs> Chauncey Sheldon. Chauncey Sheldon. The story is that he was a freedom fighter. And he and a group of men went over to Canada to kind of get rid of the British is what the idea was. They were going to allow the Canadians to be an independent country also, like themselves. But they unfortunately got captured. And quite a few of them were either shot on sight or hung for treason. And he happened to be spared, and he and a few of the other gentlemen that were captured ended up in Australia at the penal colony. And then because the United States wanted to deal with Britain, some kind of a deal went down, and the Queen pardoned these gentlemen. So they let them out of jail in Australia and said, see you later. They had no money. They had no means of transportation. Well, Chauncey got on board a a ship that was taking sugarcane to Cuba. 
and he worked his way over there and then he ended up in Mexico and then he ended up in Florida and this was all due to getting jobs on board uh, ships and had to work his way for passage and ended up coming up the coastline and back to Michigan and to the little area of Port Hope. Well, through all this, he learned a lot. He (laughs) suffered a lot, I would imagine. And they appointed him lighthouse keeper to give him a place to to stay and and do a job that wasn't so demanding. Wow. Probably welcomed the, the change, even though it was isolated and probably difficult in a lot of ways. Right. right. It's a very interesting story, and I just touched on it, really. Mm-hmm. But there's we have an article on it up at the Lighthouse, and there's mm-hmm. different stories of various keepers that were there, little things that happened here and there. Uh, we have all of the log books, and um, we have those open in a case where people can read them. Um, and if, if they ask, we can turn a page or move a book back in. I think an interesting story, and I'll, I'll let Larry tell it, but the storm of 1913, where the keeper, the assistant keeper and his son. Yeah, during the storm of 1913, um, I don't know if you ever heard about that story, but it was a massive storm that came up over the Great Lakes and it lasted for over three days. It took down 12 ships throughout the Great Lakes, eight right in Lake Huron. And the keeper, assistant keeper, and the keeper's son stayed up in the tower just keeping the lamp lit. And the keeper wrote in the logbook that it was uh, blowing so hard that it was the first time that he ever felt the tower shake. And it was shaken so violently that the wick was falling back down into the lantern. So they just had a relay going, trying to keep that lantern lit. Yeah. We had quite a few assistant keepers. And we had one that the wife passed away during childbirth. And so everyone claims that her ghost is still floating around there. Oh, really? I've never seen it. (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, every lighthouse needs a, a ghost story. Yes. It needs a ghost story. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have volunteers who've claimed any any kind of experiences there? Yes. We've had people that uh, will not go into the assistant keeper's house. Uh, we had one group that told us their dog wouldn't go upstairs, that he just sat at the bottom of the stairs barking. No, there's no, no proof one way or the other. With no. The dogs, but. No. It adds to the lore, the uh, yeah. lore of these places for sure, for a lot of people. There's no no doubt about that. So uh, obviously, over the years, there were a number of wrecks. You mentioned that storm in 1913, and I'm sure there were through the years other shipwrecks in the vicinity. One yeah. that I've read about, uh, a fair, fairly modern one, was the Daniel J. Morrill. Morrill. It's pronounced Morrill. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. That's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, could you tell me about that that wreck? Yes, that was uh, 1966, so it wasn't that far back. During a storm, she was upbound uh, in ballast and going up for the last load. And they got up kind of parallel to the lighthouse, and the ship broke in two. There was one survivor, Dennis Hale, and his story 
was he heard a big bang and he came up on deck. He was in the forward part of the ship and he looked back and he could see into the hole and he turned around to get, go back to his room to get a clothes to put on because he just had his pajamas on and he heard another crack bang and he by that time all the electricity went out it was all from the back of the ship and he grabbed his coat and put it on and he came back up on deck and someone shoved a life jacket into his chest and he put that on and moments later he was washed overboard fortunately came up and uh, there was a life raft right there with a couple of other sailors in it that helped him on board. Of course, they were saying, what do we do now? Well, he was looking for the flare gun and uh, one of the other members found it and he shot it off right away and it broke under the condition, the cold conditions and they couldn't get another one off. But they looked and saw a string of lights coming and they thought it was another ship coming to rescue them and then they realized that it was the stern of the morel continuing to motor up the lake when he made it to shore and they, they rescued him he told them that story and they said there's no way that the stern of the ship could continue to motor up the lake and they said he was delirious from the cold and uh... he was imagining things but Years later, when they found the wreck, they found the bow first and did a grid search, and the stern was about six miles away. Uh-huh. So um, definitely, it, the only way it could have gotten there was under its own power. Yeah. So that, it's a very interesting story, and, and uh, he went through a lot. He wrote a couple of books on it, and very interesting what what he had to go through. Besides the cold, a lot of a lot of trauma survivor's guilt, things like that, that he went through. He just passed away here, what, um, I think it was 7, 18, 18, 2018. Yeah, he was supposed to speak at our our festival that year, and and, Mm -hmm. uh, he died in the spring. But uh, we've been fortunate enough to meet him on three different occasions at at Lighthouse activities, and a very interesting man. Tell, Tell me his name again. Dennis Hale, H-A-L-E. Dennis Hale, okay. And you say he wrote a couple of books about the experience? The the first book he wrote, was it's called The Lone Survivor. Very, very interesting. Yeah, that's quite a story. You mentioned that there was an assistant keeper at the station for a long time. Uh, I believe the assistant keeper's house was added to the station in 1908, if I have that right. Yes. Uh, And that house has been recently restored. Am I right about that? Yes. Yep. We uh, redid the bathroom. It's all tile now with a walk-in shower for the volunteers to be able to get in and out easily. Uh, We cleaned it all up, painted it, redid the floors, put new furniture in there, trying to keep an older look to it. Um, Not exactly period, but um, close. Mm -hmm. And um, we are using that for our keepers program now. We uh, allow people to come up. They, of course, have to volunteer at the lighthouse, but it's $100 a week per person. And you come in on Monday. Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah, because Monday is going to be cleaning day. 
mm-hmm. uh, come in on Tuesday and leave on Sunday. And you put in, you know, 35 hours at the lighthouse. Sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we can, you can, we can accommodate up to four people in your group. And so, what is the season for that? Um, the first week of June through the end of September. Okay. And do you generally fill it up? Maybe I don't know if it's been any different in the last couple of years. With This the, is just our second season. Oh, okay. And at this point, I believe we have eight of the 10 weeks filled. So is there like an application process or is it just? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah there is. Mm-hmm. There is an application process and that's on our website. And the website is uh, pointobarklighthouse.org. And before we're finished today, we'll, we'll spell that for people in case they have no idea how to spell it. Last year was our first year. Um, we didn't have too many, but the ones we did have were fantastic. It was just amazing that these people are so interested in other lighthouses. They came you know, from other lighthouses. We hit the one couple did how many? 15. We were their 15th lighthouse. Yeah. That they and they actually, they actually live in Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And, Do you know who and, that was? It might be somebody I know. I'm not sure. Jack and Toby? Graham. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought I was going to say, was that Jack Graham? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Terrific, yeah. terrific people. They were just super. Yeah. Jack writes a lot for the uh, the, mag- the U.S. Lighthouse Society's magazine. Right. 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 Keeper's Log. And he occasionally uh, asked me if I know this or that. Uh, but uh, more often, he teaches me. He, I learn things from him that he uncovers in his research. He's uh, constantly learning from yes. him. <laughs> yes. yeah. So that's that's great. That's uh, it's really good to hear that you're getting a good response with that program. Uh, so let's talk about the museum. The museum is in the the principal keeper's house. Is that correct? Yes. yes. And can you tell me about the museum? Just basically what what is there for visitors to see? We have a lot of artifacts that were brought up from wrecks. We have uh, one of the old capstans that was probably on the bow of a sailing vessel. Uh, we have a couple of things off the Daniel J. Morrell that floated in, a searchlight off of that ship, various things like that. We have different stories of the ships that have gone down around the bottomland, the bottomland preserve there. We have a lot of ship models that mm-hmm. have been built by local people and donated. We have models of the old life-saving station in there. We have what's believed to be one of the oldest known maps of Michigan. 1864. And it's it's probably six foot by five foot. Yeah. On the wall. It's huge. It's it's uh-huh. very interesting. Our pride and joy is our Fresnel lens. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we have that on display. It's rotating. It's got the light on. We have the aerial beacons that replace the Fresnel lens as yeah. well in there. They're on display also. Right. Mm-hmm. The upstairs has period furniture of the time. It has the rope bed. There's a piano, little tiny. Tra- travel piano. Travel yep. piano. Mm-hmm. But furniture of the period. That, mm-hmm. that the families would have used. Well, since you brought it up, let's talk a little bit more about the lens. It's a third order Fresnel lens, right? And it was yeah. used for a number of years in the lighthouse. And it was, it went somewhere else for some years, right? Yes. And it was returned by the Coast Guard. Can you tell me a little bit about that process, well, how that it, happened? It came to our tower in 1873. 
They replaced it with the two aerial beacons in 1965. Mm-hmm. And then it went back to Detroit and then um, to the Coast Guard Station. To the Coast Guard Station. Yep. And Harbor Beach, which is just down the road from us, had a museum and they got their uh, fourth order Fresnel lens and asked if they could have the third order Fresnel lens to put on display. And the Coast Guard okayed it. They Mm -hmm. had all their paperwork in order. And as it was there over the years, the people from Huron City, who had a historical place there, they had, in fact, they had moved the life-saving station up to Huron City, along with, they had one of the oldest churches in the area. They had uh, different buildings there, House of Seven Gables. And uh, it was a little kind of a walkthrough historical village. village. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went to Harbor Beach and basically told them that he was taking the third order Fresnel lens and putting it into his museum up there. And they allowed him to take it. Now, we don't know how that all happened because... Um, of course, nobody wants to get in trouble, <laughs> but uh, that's basically the story that we got. But getting it back from them was a five-year struggle. It wasn't until the uh, information came about that fully identified that particular lens as being the lens from the Point of Arc Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And that's when the uh, Coast Guard stepped in and said, okay, we're going to take you to federal court to get it back. It's going to cost you $15,000 to go to court. What do you want to do? And at that point, they said, come and get the lens. Mm-hmm. So the Coast Guard from uh, Harbor Beach went up with the uh, Lampist who worked on it, and they took it apart, and they took it to Harbor Beach Coast Guard Station in the Lampist restored it there mm-hmm. and we brought it back to the lighthouse and it's on display there yeah and i was fortunate enough to be involved with putting it back together because i was tall enough to reach the top screws <laughs> wow so they pushed, put me inside of it and just kept putting panels around me so that was the lampest uh, kurt fosberg is that who yes was? yeah yep i know i know him i just saw him recently in rhode island he was involved with uh moving a fourth order lens from the Palmham Rocks Lighthouse in the Providence River back into their museum that, that had oh, been somewhere else for years and years. Yeah. Yes, he was, he was quite the uh, uh, character also with the stories that he had. Yeah. Um, very interesting man. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he does a tremendous job. Oh, yes. Definitely yeah. recommend him to anybody who's looking. There's a, several qualified lampists, but he's, he's certainly at the top of the list. I want to give uh, Jim Woodward a shout out too. Yeah. He was the one that discovered our lens and he knew from his experience mm-hmm. that um, that lens did belong to Point of Bark, yeah. but it just took legal paperwork and everything else to get it. But he's the one that pointed it out to us and he's the one that said we should have it yeah. at, at the lighthouse. Good for him. I know Jim Woodward too, or Woody, as people call him. He's kind right. of the dean of the Lampus. He's uh, and he's still still active. That's great to hear. You got two uh, 
two great uh, people involved there, Jim Woodward mm-hmm. and uh, Kurt Fosberg. Back to the, the lighthouse tower itself, is the lighthouse ever open for climbing? Yes, it is. We have a schedule. It's um, always open on the holidays, 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day, major holidays. And then we have our festival, which is always the first Saturday in August. Mm-hmm. It'll be open that Saturday. And then two weeks later. Yes, right? two weeks later. Two weeks later is ABC Days in Port Hope, which is right down six miles down the road from us. Little festival. And yeah, it's just a little bean. They have the history of being a bean town. So <laughs> I thought Boston was bean town. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's bean town in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, right. But um we get a lot of visitors, so we decided a couple of years back that we'll open the lighthouse on that day also. Mm-hmm. And then our, our festival weekend. In the last weekend in September. The last weekend in September is um, Huron County Museum days. All the museums in the county are open that weekend. Doing special yeah. events. Yep, doing okay. special events. We do have a calendar of events also on our website, so if people mm-hmm. want to double check when the the tower is open so that's where they would find that information great uh you mentioned the heritage festival in august what else happens uh with that festival we have music we try to try to get it to the period music sometimes you know we just have rock and roll or whatever but uh we do food in the past we've had a food truck come in um, we do roast corn. We have a lot of vendors that show up and have their crafts for sale. The tower is open for climbing. Um, we have a ham radio there um, that's always involved with the lighthouses, and he's broadcasting from there. On the, the porch of the lightkeeper's house is a huge porch, and that's where we always put the bands, and we have a canopy that we put up with chairs underneath, and a lot of people just sit for there. Sure and enjoy their food and listen to the bands. We got people over here dancing. It's just a nice summer day. Before COVID, we'd have we'd have like a bounce house and things of that nature for kids. But with the COVID, that's out. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll have have that back. You know, what more could you want? Food, music and a lighthouse? It sounds. And Lake Huron. And Lake Huron. Lake Huron. I mean, yeah, the view there is just phenomenal. So do you also have other events? Do you have weddings there? Yes. Um, over the years, we've had quite a few weddings. They generally have them right out in front of the lighthouse so that in all the pictures, they get a shot of the lighthouse. We ask that they don't do it on a holiday weekend when we have the place loaded with visitors to climb the tower. It would be too confusing. But so far, it has worked out for their benefit. Some of them actually rent the pavilions in the park and have the reception there. Sometimes it's just a wedding and then the reception is off mm-hmm. site. Uh, since you just mentioned it, could you just maybe say a little bit more about the, the park? What else is there besides the, the lighthouse uh, for people to, to do or see when there's, they come to, to the There's park? a full campground there, um, mm-hmm. trailer. They have full hookup in the back, just electrical out towards the lighthouse we call it the front very nice campground very well kept that's all part of huron county campgrounds they have Uh, um six six rustic cabins to rent 
as you pull into the park, as you pull in, you just see this beautiful lighthouse as you make a little curve in the road through the trees. You got the beautiful lighthouse in front of you. And to the right would be the campground. And to the left, they have a big playscape, a more picnic area, a couple of pavilions for family picnics and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. There's, there is a beach there, but it's a very rocky beach. That's not something you want to bring the kids and spend the afternoon. Although people do. Yes. They just tell the kids to be careful. Yeah. Probably not a beach where you run around in your bare feet. Very easily. No. You need water you shoes. You need water shoes. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you've men- you mentioned it a couple of times, uh, COVID having an effect on things. But I'm just curious, were you able to open the place at all these past couple of seasons? Last year we did. Two years ago we didn't. We limited like the tower climbs to family units or, or, you know, if you rode up together in the car, you can climb the tower <laughs> together. Yeah. yeah. And um, it worked well. We have to do it that way. We have to, we can only send at the most six people up at a time. Someone has to be up at top and someone at the bottom controlling the crowd. Mm-hmm. It takes, it takes a, a group of at least five people to run the tower and, mm-hmm. and do it safely the way the Coast Guard wants us to do it yeah. and the way that the county wants us to do it. Right. It's still an active light maintained yes. by the Coast Guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we can't let them up into the workroom or, or the clock the- room. So they don't actually go up to the, the lantern room or the light. No, they don't. I imagine maybe they can get a peek up into the lantern oh, yes. the light. Oh, yes. yeah. Yep. Generally, like on a 4th of July weekend, we put... 150 people through there a day Mm -hmm. so to get them out and back in would just be asking for trouble how many stairs in the lighthouse there's 87 stairs to the workroom 105 to the very top so it takes a little while to just get just to get people up and down i know faster than others going up and down those stairs correct right but for lighthouse buffs uh, even if they can't get up into the lantern or get outside it's it's it it always adds so much to actually be able to climb a a right right Right. Plus, there's there's a window, you know, facing the lake that uh, we open and you can take pictures. And uh, most people really enjoy the view from up there. Let's talk for a few minutes about the life saving station there. Uh, There was a a life saving station nearby there that was relocated for for years and then was moved back to your site in 2017. It was it was established in 1876 in it was uh, first just a small boathouse with, of course, the boat. And over the years, it grew into a pretty good size operation up there. The original boathouse and keeper's house, or captain's house, we call it, was moved in 1964 up to Huron City. Again, they asked if they could move it up there. The, the county was at the point where they had to do something because kids were running around in there and they were afraid someone was going to get hurt. So the Huron County people moved it up there and it stayed up there until um, 2017. Prior, just prior to that, they came and asked if we wanted, wanted it back because they could no longer afford to maintain it and it needed attention, it needed a lot of attention. Yeah. So between the county and our organization, we decided to have it moved back. They couldn't put it where it originally sat 
So it's kind of off to the back of the lighthouse, but facing the lake. Mm -hmm. And we are in the process of restoring it. It's going to take a lot, but we had the HSR report done on it last year. They're still actually still working on that. But uh, one of the first things we had to do was abate all of the plaster in the captain's house. Over the years, it had gotten a lot of mold on it. And of course, you can't take the public through a place like that. So we had that all abated last year and new roofs put on it. It's watertight. It's got a real nice, the county made a beautiful foundation for it. And it's sitting high and dry Mm -hmm. now. And uh, this year, we're hoping to get the chimneys put back on and the uh, lookout walkway that was up on it originally. We're just trying to raise money to get it up to a quality museum. So you'll have exhibits in there eventually? Yes. A lot of artifacts came with it, which are being stored right now, but they will be on display. It's going to be very nice. With everything that came with it, I think we can put on a real nice museum display with that. So a question occurred to me a minute ago when you you used the words high and dry, as mentioned, the building is high and dry and it's new foundation. You know, I know in in recent years, uh, the levels, the water levels on the Great Lakes went way up. I think they've gone back down again in the last couple of years. But uh, is that something you're concerned about, the the water levels uh, on Lake Huron? Not at this point. We're kind of on a bluff that's about oh, good five foot off the water line, off the the water right now. We have quite a bit of rock and and, uh, slag that's out in front. Back years ago, they built a, they put a concrete breaker out right in front of the lighthouse. And you can see how that's helped the erosion there. Mm -hmm. But uh, with the water being back down right now, the water water table is, is, very low. That's good. Right now, we're not worried about it. Good. I hope you don't have to worry about it in the future. You mentioned it earlier, but what is the the Thumb Area Great Lakes State Bottomland Preserve? Yes. Well, from about Harbor Beach, Port Sanilac, which is even lower, I think it goes down to Port Sanilac and around the Thumb area, that uh, is a bottomland reserve and basically what that means is you can dive on these shipwrecks, but you cannot take anything off of them. You cannot take anything off the bottom that was from, from a shipwreck. There's items that people have found over the years that uh, they had to wait until the waves pushed them up on shore and, and uh, <laughs> the water level go down before they can, they can retrieve it. We have a rib from one of the shipwrecks that a gentleman waited. It took him about five years before he could he could uh, legally take that off of his beach and uh, bring it up to the lighthouse, put it on display. <laughs> but, how um, many light? How many ships in, are down there? In that area, there are 105 known shipwrecks. Wow! They know these ships. They know the names. Last year. As a matter of fact, right off of Grindstone City, they found another shipwreck with the high water and then the, the water retreating re, like it has. These divers who had been diving that area for years, 
were testing some equipment and they came across this shipwreck. And it's not that big of a shipwreck. It was what um, I think like 38 foot. It was a small sailing vessel called the Mackinac. And they basically used that for transportation. They didn't really haul any goods in it. It was from to go from one town to the next up, up and down the lake. Mm-hmm. But they, they figure it's one of the oldest shipwrecks they've, they've found so far. The tip of the thumb and then just north of that in Alpena, the two areas have the most shipwrecks on the Great Lakes. In Thunder Bay up by Alpena, there's 80 shipwrecks, known shipwrecks. Yeah. So between the two, there's Lake Huron claimed more ships than the rest of the lakes. There's a reason for that. It was the most traveled. Yeah, it shows the activity there. And I'm sure there's probably many, many other uh, vessels, uh, smaller vessels, especially we don't know the names of that are, are down there as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a, a little bit about your organization uh, again. Are, are you in need of more volunteers? Is that something you're always uh, looking for? Always. We're um, always looking for volunteers. The tip of the thumb is not real populated. So our volunteer bases, a lot of them are the campers in the park. Yeah. We're seasonal campers. And, you know, there's several of us like that. We go up the 1st of May and stay until October 15th. <laughs> So, um, you know, that's where a lot of the, the volunteer, our volunteer base comes from. In the little cities, we get a couple from each little town, but the, um, it's, it's not highly populated. Mm-hmm. So we're always in search of volunteers. Okay. Well, I hope maybe somebody listening who isn't uh, too far from there or might consider spending a, a summer there would be interested. Right. Uh, and uh, I imagine there's some information, there's contact information, of course, on the right. website. P-O-I-N-T-E-A-U-X-B-A-R-Q-U-E-S dot O-R-G. I think I got that right. Yeah. 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 But if people Google Point of Barks Lighthouse, they'll find it as well. Just want to ask you a final question. This is for both of you, and this is for bonus points, okay? <laughs> uh, and what has been your favorite thing about your involvement with the Point of Bark Lighthouse Society? Well, the history is one of my favorite things. But the people, meeting people from all over the world, we've had people, you name it, they've been there. Um, (laughs) It's amazing. In fact, one of my favorite stories is I was talking to a gentleman who was from Germany, and he, of course, is speaking broken English. So we're having a little bit of a problem communicating. But uh, I asked him, I said, why, you know, of all the places that you could go, why would you come? to the tip of the thumb. And he was explaining to me that when he was a child, he was very interested in maps. And every time he saw a map of the United States with that mitten sitting there, he always wondered what was at the tip of the thumb because he said, you have to go up and you have to come back down. So there's no other way out of there. So what's up there that that attracts people? And he said, and I, I came to find out, and this is just beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. he pointed to the lighthouse and he pointed to the lake. He says, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's not what I expected because the Great Lakes, I didn't think were that big. And he says, I can't see the other side. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, was, it was really kind of fun talking to him because I never thought of it that way. You know, you're up there in the middle of, of a thumb and there's yeah. 
only one way in and one way out. Marilyn, anything you want to add about your favorite thing or things about your involvement? Well, I work in the gift shop a lot. And and again, just talking to the people and, and meeting the people is fascinating. I just enjoy working, you know, and, and why they showed up there and, and, uh, and the different people. I think one of my favorite stories is um, Larry was talking to a gentleman and he was just looking at the lake and he was just in awe of Lake Huron and how huge it was. And again, the Great Lakes. And he had talked about he was in the military. He'd been around the world. He'd been on the East Coast, the West Coast. And, and, and it just... And we asked where he was from, and he said, Rochester, Michigan. Novi. Uh, no oh, Novi. from Novi. Which is probably about 15 miles away from one of the lakes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like, how could you grow up there and not know the yeah. Great Lakes? You know, just, we've got yeah. people from around the world that get it, but. It was the first time that he ever stood at the shore of one of the Great Lakes. Wow. And he grew up in Michigan, but, you know, he got out of high school. He joined joined the Navy right away and they sent him traveling all over the world. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's just, it's comical because, you know, a lot of people come up from all these other countries and they came specifically to see what was up there at the thumb. And then you right. got people that lived in the state that <laughs> have no idea. I think that's true everywhere. I lived in the Boston area most of my life, and the Boston Harbor Islands are just fascinating. There's more than 30 islands in the harbor. There's the oldest light station, Lighthouse uh, in America, Boston Light, uh, and uh, a few other lighthouses. And it's just such a fascinating area. And I was always meeting people who lived in in or close to Boston for many years and didn't know there were harbor islands, absolutely nothing about Boston. So that's often true that people don't realize what's in their backyard or don't visit. So it's one of the nice thing, things about lighthouses is that they're a magnet for bringing people to those. those places. Oh, they are. Yes. They're. Yes. And it, it's funny because the western side of Michigan is very built up touristy. Mm-hmm. The thumb is not. The thumb is still very rural and and people come not up and, they, and they'll say, this is so peaceful over here. We don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We don't want it to turn into a big tourist area. Yeah. We love the peace and quiet. Yeah. You don't want people to love it to death like they do some places. Right. Yeah. Well, Marilyn and Larry Becker, it's really a pleasure talking with you today. I appreciate uh, so much you spending this time with me. You have a, a great organization, a very beautiful place, as you've said, a place that I need to visit <laughs> one of these years, and I, I will. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I very much appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Thank you. And if, if you come up, Just ask who's ever there, where Larry and Marilyn are. Again, to learn more about the Point Awe Barks Lighthouse Society, you can visit pointawebarkslighthouse.org online. That's P-O-I-N-T-E-A-U-X-B-A-R-Q-U-E-S lighthouse.org. The website includes the application for the Assistant Keepers Program, which provides an opportunity to stay at the light station while helping the organization as a volunteer. I'm actually planning a trip to Michigan in April next month, and Pointe of Barks is on my itinerary. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you again to Marilyn and Larry Becker for today's interview. And thanks, as always, to the members, volunteers, and staff of the U.S. Lighthouse Society and all its chapters and affiliates. 
Learn more about the tours and everything else the Society offers by checking out uslhs.org. Memberships and donations support this podcast and other Lighthouse preservation and education initiatives. If you listen to this podcast using Apple Podcasts or any platform that allows you to post reviews, please rate and review us. And if you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends and share it on social media. Coming up next on Lighthearted will be a two-part interview with Terry Cole and his wife, Jerry. Terry was the resident park ranger at Fort Point Lighthouse in Maine for more than 30 years. And speaking of the Great Lakes, the ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu once wrote, quote, Make your heart like a lake with a calm, still surface and great depths of kindness, unquote. As always, thanks for listening and keep a good light. Let it shine, let it shine